Welcome to the Real Time Roots Podcast. I'm your host, Chris DL from Joybelie. At Joybelie, we help you grow your own food and medicine so that you can create health and wellness for your family naturally. Today, we are focusing on creating your own herbal remedies, and we have a special guest. And I'm so excited today to welcome Heidi Villegas from Healing Harvest Homestead School of Botanical Arts and Sciences. I've known Heidi for a long time, several years, and we've been co-workers and we have shared a number of visits, just her and I alone, uh, over the internet. Heidi is the herbalist, writer, teacher, and gardener at Healing Harvest Homestead and the Healing Harvest Homestead School of Botanical Arts and Sciences. Heidi's been growing herbs and vegetables for food for over 50 years and relies on the grocery store as little as possible. She's been blessed beyond measure by learning herbalism and how to bring her health back into a balanced state after experiencing decades of serious health problems. Now her passion is sharing the power of herbs through her writings and teachings so that others can experience the health benefits she and her clients have personally experienced. Now I'm super curious, Heidi, what exactly brought you into herbalism to get your health back into balance? What was going on? Oh boy. <laughs> that's a that's my story. So for decades, um, I grew up in a family where we gardened um, and I was very familiar with plants and we even foraged, but we foraged for foods. Uh, there was nothing about, you know, uh, plants and using them for wellness uh, involved in my upbringing at all. Um, and like most people, uh, I was raised with an allopathic mindset where if you get sick, you go take a pill. You go to a doctor and you take a pill. And I suffered from some uh, different uh, health issues from a very early age, severe allergies, asthma, rosacea. I mean, it was just sensitivities to this and that. And then chronic yeast infections, which unbeknownst to me were caused by the antibiotics that I was on constantly. Um, liver damage also caused by the medications because doctors weren't asking me what I was taking. And so they were giving me things that were harming my body. And um, finally, and I was a very healthy person. Otherwise, I worked out, I, I ate well. Um, luckily, you know, otherwise, I think things would have been a lot worse. But um at one point, I had a doctor laugh at me when I asked about lifestyle uh, changes when uh, we were talking about my high blood pressure. <laughs> and at that point, I'm like, yeah, this isn't this is not working for me. And I stumbled across an herbal book in a feed store uh, one day and I just happened to pick it up and I started creating some of the remedies in it and they worked. And from that point on, I, I learned and I started growing. And at a certain point in that herbal journey, I basically said, I drew the line in the sand and I said, no more over-the-counter drugs, no more prescription drugs. I'm done um, completely. And I just completely turned to the herbs and then to the essential oils and as well as a combination. And I'm, I, it's the best thing I ever did for myself and my family. Um, yeah, at this point, my husband and I haven't been on any drugs at all, uh, over-the-counter prescription for 10 years or more. Wow, that's amazing. That that book in the feed store was a real godsend then. It, it was like it was planted there just for you. It was. And it sounds like herbs saved your life. I believe they did, Chris. I, I, in fact, I know they did. I cannot imagine if I were still taking all of the things that I was taking before. And I mean, I was on uh, Oxycontin for back pain uh, in my L4, L5 discs. Uh, I mean, it was, I could just go on and on and on about all the things that I was taking Xanax, um, you know, tetracycline, uh, monocycline, uh, all of these things for, you know, the acne. I, I mean, it was just constant. And I was just bombarding my body because that's what doctors told me. And I was very, very sick and I didn't realize it. I knew I felt bad and I didn't know why, because of course doctors aren't supposed to hurt you and um, the medicines aren't supposed to hurt you. And I just, 
yeah, it was, they, they did save my life. If, if I, if I had kept going, like I was, I can't imagine <laughs> I'd be in bed right now. <laughs> so, wow. Yes. I mean, I'm almost, I'm 58 years old and it's just crazy. So you decided to study herbs and study aromatherapy, and now you're seeing clients and helping other people with the things that helped you. That's, that's just amazing. And it's, it's wonderful too, that you're able to help people. So you learned about herbalism, but you also went the aromatherapy route and you're a professional aromatherapist. What made you choose that transition? you know, from being someone who uses herbs to someone who teaches others about herbs? Well, I moved from basically just being a community herbalist, which is, you know, what happens when you start learning herbs, Chris, you basically um, become known in your neighborhood or your community as the go-to person for, Hey, she might know what to do about this. you know. <laughs> and so, um, I was helping a lot of people that way. I also had had a shop on Etsy where I sold natural products for a while. And um, in that process, I was educating my um, customers so that they would know and be able to make good choices or I could custom formulate something for them. So in, in that realm, I was also teaching. On top of that, I was a public school teacher for 30 years. Um, and, and I started teaching, or I was still teaching while I was learning herbalism um, at a certain point. So it just seemed natural to me to start teaching um, because that's kind of what I just do anyway. Uh, I mean, I don't really even think about it. Uh, so, so yeah, I went into the teaching uh, because of that. My, my reason for wondering is because a lot of people that are into herbs are actually against aromatherapy. Um, yes. And I know in your practice, you combine the two and I love that. And so yeah. I'd like you to just, if you don't mind, just talk a bit about how like essential oils and herbs can work together. Absolutely. So um, the background there for me uh, came this way. I ran into a distributor many, many years ago who uh, got me signed up in one of the MLM companies. And I just loved the scent of the essential oils. They were great, but I didn't really know what to do with them. And then I was being told to do uh, things with them. I didn't have a gut feeling were very healthy, like uh, putting them in water and drinking them. I just did not I just had a sense. I trust my intuition a lot, but I had an intuitive sense that that was dangerous. And so I looked into it and I found that it, indeed it was. Um, <clears throat> and then I was listening to a talk by David Wolf, who is a, a famous aromatherapist. And he was saying that most herbalists don't have a background at all in aromatherapy and, and don't know really what they're speaking about. And he also said that most aromatherapists don't have a background in herbalism. And I found that to be very true. And then on top of that, um, I would go visit other, you know, online uh, blogs and websites. And some of the information was just downright dangerous. I've seen so many dangerous recipes online and not so much with the herbs, but with the essential oils. I mean, essential oils, you do need to be very careful with and use them appropriately. And um, no, I ended up saying to myself, you know what? Um, I was already studying herbalism uh, and, and had been for several years at that point, many years actually. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to look into this aromatherapy thing. And I, I was intrigued. And so I studied, I started studying aromatherapy and ended up with hundreds of hours under my belt uh, and a level two certification. And, um, and I just love it. What I have found is that when I, create formulas, especially things like salves and, um, you know, skincare types of uh, preparations, that when you combine the herbal infusions with the aromatics, it's such a powerful syn synergy. There's just nothing like it. Um, and I made, I recently made an Arnica comfrey salve uh, recipe for uh, one of my courses, and I combined it with some uh, different essential oils, uh, frankincense, helichrysum, and yarrow. That salve is the most powerful pain-relieving salve I think I've ever made. And I thought it couldn't get any better than cayenne salve, but that salve is just unreal. So 
Yeah, I love I love using them together. You just need to know how to do it. And and to have the appropriate dilutions of the um, aromatherapy too, um, like not use them too strong, which I think some people, yes. it's, it's that adage of a little knowledge is dangerous, right? You need, you need to follow through and, and really study if you're going to apply this. Yes, absolutely. If you are ready to start on your herbal journey to get to know herbs and make your own medicine, I've got the perfect next step for you. My membership, the DIY Herb of the Month Club, will help you get to know your herbal allies by studying one herb at a time. And we make a game of it. You will go on a 30-day journey with an assignment to do every day that will only take you 10 or 15 minutes. You'll go on a monthly quest to build your confidence so that you can learn to rely on your herbal allies. You'll invest just 5 to 15 minutes a day of hands-on guided exercises to gain knowledge of each month's herbal ally. You'll also learn how to grow, forage, or find each month's herb. You'll study the historical context of the medicinal and or culinary uses of each herb. You'll create a personal Materia Medica for long-term reference. You'll also study the modern scientific studies and evaluate their methodology and conclusions. And you'll engage your senses both logically and intuitively to get to know each herb really, really well so that you can use it confidently. So stir up some recipes with me and start using your new herbal allies for focused hands-on learning inside the DIY Herb of the Month Club. So I hope you'll decide to join me. The link is in the show notes. So let's back up a bit. If you could have just five herbs in your garden or to forage, which ones would they be and why? (laughs) This is such a hard question because I love them all. (laughs) There are so many that I love. And and man, when you have to like pare them down to just the five. So I'm going to speak. Can I can I answer that two different ways? Can I answer it in terms of like um, the average person who's just getting started? And then I'm going to answer it for myself. (laughs) Is that okay? That sounds good. Okay. So if I were recommending what herbs to, you know, have others who are just, especially just starting out, start off with, I would say the broad use herbs. So definitely the mints, like thyme and rosemary, oregano, Um, you know, and I kind of categorize those together, even though they have different actions. Um, But the culinary spices are just amazing. And and if people learn how to use those, those are wonderful. And they're right in in your kitchen. And then I would say chamomile, yarrow. Um, I I love those two. Again, very broad based uses. And then calendula. Calendula is is just an incredible herb. Um, And now for myself, I don't, can I say this, the, for all the culinary herbs and the spice herbs, they've been growing in my garden for years and years and years. I'm never getting rid of them. They're just there. They're part of my life. So they're just, they go without saying, but um, I think if I were going to talk about herbs for us that I would not ever um, let go of, I'd have to say valerian is one. I rely on that for, for sleep. I think it saved my marriage. <laughs> um, I rely heavily on Hawthorne. Yeah, I'm not even joking. No. <laughs> I rely on, on Hawthorne. It's a wonderful heart supporting herb. And I do manage my uh, blood pressure naturally. And that's an herb I use every day. And then St. John's wort is another one. Uh, and then, of course, yarrow and chamomile as well. But my goodness, Chris, that's like, you could just, couldn't you just keep listing herbs all day long? <laughs> I love you this know, one and that one. <laughs> what I, what I love about the herbs you mentioned, when you talk about chamomile and yarrow and calendula, um, I know you're growing them in your garden. Uh, so not everyone yes. has a garden and can grow them, but those three herbs are also um, healing to the garden. They're the nurse herbs. And so when I have a tree maybe or a, a spot in the garden that's not doing well, 
I will purposely plant chamomile or yarrow or calendula by those plants and the plants revive. Or if I have a tree that's maybe got some damage from some mice over the winter, um, I will purposely plant some because calendula and chamomile are annuals. I'll sprinkle seed around and more often than not, the plant recovers and goes on to be a strong plant. Um, so not only do they nurse us, but they nurse the garden as well. So they're, they're like really dual purpose. I would agree with you. I would definitely pick those ones too, especially the mint family and chamomile, yarrow and calendula. I grow them every year. And it's interesting too, that you spoke about Hawthorne and St. John's work, because those are my two that I, I make as many um, bottles of tincture of those that I can, and I make oil with, at least with the St. John's wort. And I too use Hawthorne every single day I use Hawthorne and I like to combine it with cayenne just for the circulation benefits of that. And I've gotten my husband now taking it as well, even though he has actually low blood pressure, I have him taking Hawthorne too, because I feel like Hawthorne just makes all the other herbs that you take that much more effective. I totally agree with you. And also in in terms of Hawthorne and Cayenne both, I found that they rather act as alterative herbs and they they get into your body and they go where they're needed. And I think that's why with your husband's low blood pressure, he's benefiting just like I do with the high blood pressure because um, Cayenne and Hawthorne both have the ability to do what's needed in your body to support your heart. Yeah. And, and also if you're feeling a little bit down, um, especially, um, like my husband sometimes has some down times in the winter when the light's low, I find that Hawthorne even helps with that. Um, and he uses it with St. John's wort. You mentioned St. John's wort. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I use St. John's wort for, um, nerve pain. Um, like, you know, the backache where it shoots down your leg, or sometimes I get in my hands, I will get like shooting pain in here. That's what I use St. John's work for, but my husband actually uses it to help him relax. So I love how the herbs have more than one benefit. And it, like you said, it's almost like as they go into your body, there's this communication between the herb and your body, and it gives you just what you need. Absolutely. Hard to explain though, right? That's so true. It is, it is hard to explain. And um, I just want to say this really quick about the St. John's wort too. Um, A moment ago, I mentioned the L4, L5 disc issues I had in my back with, with the sciatica. And I can tell you right now, the St. John's wort was one of the things that I use topically and internally. Um, And, and I feel like it was a slope process, but I didn't have to have surgery and that's where I was headed. And I think the St. John's ward actually was probably the main thing I was doing that kind of healed that area up. And it's amazing that the pain I was experiencing was tremendous. And, um, you know, when a doctor tells you that, okay, it's, you're going to be in drugs forever, uh, or surgery, and then you figure out how to manage it with herbs and, and your body heals yeah. up. It's a slow healing process and herbs do. I think you're so right, Chris, uh, herbs get in there and they, they, uh, they talk, they, they, our cells recognize them where I don't believe our mm-hmm. cells recognize uh, chemical, <laughs> you know, synthetic or, you know, lab created medicines. It's, it's right. a toxic. Right. And, and with the herbs, you don't have to, your liver doesn't have to work extra hard to get rid of them either. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes they're helping your liver as well. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So you do, you mentioned already that you make a salve that combines essential oils and herbs. And I know a lot of herbalists don't. I do when I'm making salves, I add um, essential oils as well but most herbalists don't. And I've actually been criticized for adding essential oils to my herbs as if I'm not a purist, right? I'm adulterating (laughs) the herbs or something. I I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. Gosh, you know, this is the thing about the herbal world that I have found. There are so many judgments. And I, I think I heard Rosemary Gladstar say this one time that if you put five herbalists in a room and ask one question, you'll get five different answers, you know, <laughs> so um, 
But uh, yeah, honestly, I think uh, for myself, and and I can speak to this because I've taken classes and and lots of coursework in both uh, modalities, herbalism and essential oils or aromatherapy. I have grown to view aromatherapy as a subset of herbalism. To me, they're not really separate. If you if you look at herbalism, what you do is you take the plant and you process the plant a certain way. You infuse it into a solvent in some way, or you dry it and use it as a tea, which again, you're infusing it in water that way. Um, and with an essential oil, it's just another form of an extract. It's just another form where you're you're taking out the volatile oils, and that is a, a part of the plant. Just as you know, water will extract certain um, constituents of the plant, and alcohol extracts other constituents. Essential oil distillation, and most of its steam distillation, is extracting a certain uh, number of constituents out of the plant. So to me, it makes sense to use them all together. If you want to take advantage of a plant's, um, you know, goodness to us and, and the gifts that they bring to us, I think it's a responsible thing to understand that, yes, you can, you can make an alcohol tincture that is a good portion of water and alcohol, which you're going to extract a number of, of the constituents of the plant. But when you take the volatile oils, you're adding in another another group of chemicals <laughs> that are that are very, very helpful. Um, I love what you said about the gifts that the plants bring to us. And and I agree with you. They are gifts. And if we look at them that way, rather than chemicals that we get to extract, you know, it almost sounds like we're mining them, but we're not mining them. And I know you didn't mean that. Um, they are gifts. And by extracting them, we start to recognize the fullness of that gift. That's beautiful. Yes. Well, you know, can I say this? I, <laughs> I, you know where I come from with this, Chris. We've talked enough, but, you know, God gave us these plants and they are here for us. And it's, it's very clearly said in the Bible that they are here for our healing and our, our health and our food and our wellness. And in that sense, I think we, have, we all should be very grateful to the plants and to God for giving them to us. And, and I think we all have a responsibility even to know how to use them. And, and it's shameful to me that that's been taken away from us, uh, you know, in the last 150 or so years. It's just, and people now, I sense that um, there's this trend toward herbalism. People want to know how to use them. And it's such a massive, you know, topic area. It's, it's very difficult just to get that knowledge. You can't, it's a, it's a time thing. It takes so much time and it's time you have to love to give. And, and, but it's so worthwhile. Wouldn't it be great if there was an herbalism in every extended family or neighborhood even? I just feel like we're going to need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think I agree with you. I think that this is essential and it is part of the human heritage. I mean, if you look at other countries, I think the United States and Canada are kind of, um, and many parts of Europe are kind of out of touch and I yes. think that if you look at the rest of the world, like we went to Israel to visit and right upstairs from where my daughter was working in downtown Jerusalem, there was an herbalism school. And wow. it's um, we get a monthly parcel from Israel through Lev HaOlam. Um, it's kind of a they they gather products from all over Israel and they they send us a box once a month, you know, it's a membership. And always in every single box, there's at least two products that are herbal based. Sometimes it's spices, sometimes it's skincare, sometimes it's um, like uh, candles and aromatherapy. But it's so much a part of Israeli culture and the culture in the Middle East. And if you look at India and Ayurvedic medicine, um, it's so much a part of the culture. People just have, you know, that Tulsi plant growing in the middle of the courtyard of their house. And we've really lost so much of our heritage in North America because um, it got stopped, like you said, for the last 150 years. But it used to be there. And I think it's time. Um, it's, it's super important, like you said, that that we get that back. 
that we reclaim that as, as part of our heritage. Absolutely. And I, I suspect that, um, it's a, it's a time thing at this point for us. Um, you know, we've all seen uh, censorship going on on the internet and how herbalists, you know, have been kind of dropped in the, in the search engines to it's, it's to the point where it's kind of, it's becoming more difficult to find information. And for people who aren't aware, it's, they're going to just be lost. So I think for people who are interested in learning herbalism and and want to find out more about this really wonderful, wonderful, the gifts of the plants, it's time to start learning now. Like, right. Don't you think it's like, don't wait. Yes. It's time to get going. Yes. (laughs) I, I feel that urgency too, which is one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast, because I don't know how much time we have left to pass on the information and how long, you know, it's, everything is sort of since, you know, the last two years, everything has been kind of, there's this urgency to get it going. I don't know if I'm expressing that right. Do you feel that too? I, I, I absolutely feel that Chris. I, I feel like it's a feeling again. And again, I, I told you I trust my intuition, but I I really sense that the powers that be are going to start even more so coming down on those of us who are in alternative wellness, um, you know, practices and who are sharing the information. And, you know, I mean, we've you and I have spoken about herbalists who are being affected even uh, right now in the world and what they're doing uh, to and, you know, to try to like get by, but, uh, most of us luckily fly under the radar. But the thing is, is, is that I don't think that's going to be the case for much longer. I, it's just a feeling I have. Yeah. I, I have that same sense. If growing some of your own food sounds like something you're ready to do right now, I've got the perfect next step for you. My Fill Your Salad Bowl workshop is a concise workshop that will show you how to grow enough greens to fill a salad bowl every day. That's a great first step, just to fill a salad bowl. It's not overwhelming and anyone can do it. You can do it even if you don't have any land, even if there's three feet of snow covering your garden, even if you've killed houseplants in the past, and even if you don't think you have a green thumb. Here's what we cover in this workshop. Now remember, it's a concise workshop. It's not gonna take a long time to go through, so everyone's gonna have enough time to do this. You'll learn three different salad green growing methods that you can implement right away. You'll learn the exact methods I use to keep my salad bowl full so I never run out, even if I have unexpected company. You'll also learn where to cut costs and still be successful growing salad greens at home. You'll learn the ideal equipment to use if you want to grow greens faster and easier the unique pitfalls to avoid with indoor and container growing. You'll learn how to save a crop that goes wrong, where to find organic seed at reasonable prices, how to store your seed so it stays viable for years so that you can save money now on bulk seed purchases. And you'll learn the health benefits of sprouts, microgreens and healthy greens and how to optimize these benefits in the way you grow them and the way you store them. We'll also give you 17 ideas for using homegrown salad greens in the kitchen so they never get mundane. If you're ready to start growing some of your own food and you think salad greens are a great place to start like I do, check the link in the show notes. Um, So you have a garden. I do. Um, do you grow all your own herbs? Do you buy some of them or do you just use what you have locally? Um, I, <laughs> I do a combination. So I, I actually counted up one time all of the medicinal plants that I either grow on the property on purpose or that I can forage. And I came up with just on our property or within a mile, um, over 97 medicinal plants. And and it's just crazy amazing. And I then and I just found another one yesterday. I was up on top of the hill hiking around, and I, I found a red belted poly, polypore, and I was like, <laughs> I can't believe it. Wow! So there's another one. Yes, and so, uh, 
it is amazing. Um, however, I so there's a lot here on our property, and I feel very confident that if I couldn't purchase certain herbs, I could definitely grow them or have them. Uh, but I do purchase some. I, per I tend to purchase the plants that don't grow well here, like ashwagandha, which needs a longer growing season. Our, sh our season's so short here, I can't grow that one really well. Um, I tend to buy, you know, the herbs like that, that I, that need a, you know, that don't do well that I want to have, I'll buy those. Um, and then basically, yeah, I forage, grow and buy. <laughs> so awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, and I just want to mention this too, about herb gardening, like everything else, it's one of those things where I tell people just start small and, and start with a few plants and then what ends up happening is you expand every single year and then get to know the plants that grow in your area. Um, you know, herbalists, I don't know if you've heard this, but it seems like I keep, I hear this from so many different ones of us that uh, a plant grows where it's needed. <laughs> so, um, yes. you know, if you have mullein near you, it's, it's going to be needed. If you have uh, St. John's wort everywhere, there's a reason for it. And, um, and I do think there's some, a lot of truth in that. I read one time that plants go where they're needed most and that they found that with one of the, one of the plants that helps with Lyme's disease is Japanese knotweed. And they found that knotweed will move into an area just before the ticks do. And so the remedy for the tick bite is right there growing in the area where the ticks are. Yeah. I love that. I do too. <laughs> and, and I agree with you. Um, when we first moved here, um, there were no dandelions. And we're on a 140 acre. Um, before we moved here, it was a cattle ranch and there were no dandelions at all. And now I have fields of dandelions and I happen to have honeybees, which need those dandelions early in the spring and literally fields of dandelions. Wow. Um, not yet because it's still a little bit um, early, but yeah, absolutely. When we need them and dandelions, of course, are great for liver support um, and so much more. Exactly. So when you decide you're going to make an herbal remedy, can you describe the process you go through to, um, you know, find the herb, gather the herb, and then make the recipe? Yes. If I'm going to make an herbal remedy, I like to have herbs on hand that I can use for a wide number of things. So I don't know. Let me think about this. If I were going to make an herbal remedy for, let's just say, relaxation, I would go to my garden and and if it's springtime or if it's summer and the plant is in season, I would gather it and then I could use it fresh. Um, you know, but I would say chamomile or spearmint or lemon balm are all wonderful, uh, helpful relaxant herbs, passion flower. Uh, once in a while, I can get that to grow. So I kind of think about it that way too, fresh first. And then um, if it's wintertime, I tend to store up things I know I'm going to probably need to use throughout the winter. And then I just gather those up and make what I need. I don't know if I'm answering that correctly. I mean, it's just like <laughs> when you formulate, we think of the, um, you know, we've got our, act our active herbs, our activators, and then we've got our supporting herbs, and then we've got our synergists and, you know, just knowing what and when to combine. And um, it's an art. It's an art and a science. Right. So, so for most people to do that, then they'd need to have either a recipe to follow or they'd need to have some education to be able to create their own recipe. So if you were going to like just gather and make a simple, a remedy that uses only one herb, right? how would you go about it? I guess, would you go out and harvest it and bring it in the house and make it right away? Or would you dry it first? I guess that's what I'm asking. How complicated is it to make the recipe? It's as simple or as complicated as you want to make it, honestly. I mean, going out to the garden and just picking a handful of chamomile flowers and steeping them in some boiling water makes a delicious, wonderful tea. Um, and it's very soothing and it's very relaxing. In fact, if you even want to make it simpler than that, uh, I often will just eat the chamomile flowers and even just eating uh, one flower <laughs> can, can, has an effect on me. 
emotionally and also in my nervous system. And, you know, so that's a case where if you've got them growing, you can just use them directly off the plant and it's wonderful. But with that said, I always do dry them uh, and garble the flowers and leaves off if I need to, depending on the plant and then store them um, for the for the winter. And I like to have the fresh, the fresher the herbs are, and you know this too, it's you gather them in the summer and you dry them and, and they are still vibrant and lovely in the wintertime uh, with proper storage. And how lovely, isn't that great? You can use your herbs for all seasons. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I think the other thing I love about it is that it doesn't cost very much money. I, I hear a lot of people that get into, they decide they're going to be herbalists and they sign up for this super expensive course. And, you know, I'm talking thousands of dollars to take the course. And then the first thing they have to do is stock up their apothecary by buying a whole bunch of herbs, mm-hmm. right, yes. from the herb suppliers. And it, it can literally cost as much to study herbalism as getting a u- university degree if you let it. Yes. But it doesn't have to because almost, I, I would say that from we have pretty much everything. Like there's an herb that you can grow in your garden no matter where you live that will solve a problem. Exactly. Even if it's not the fancy bring in from India type of herb, there's an alternative in North America that or Europe that you can grow in your garden. And I love that about herbalism. So you could pretty much, um, once you have the knowledge that you can get from, you know, my membership or Heidi's, Heidi's classes, uh, once you have the knowledge, then it's almost free and you have it for your life. Oh, I totally agree with that, Chris. And and I love what you just said about having it for life. The, the knowledge uh, and the experiences with the plants, nobody can take that away from you. That's something that you own forever and ever and ever. It's It becomes part of you. And right. so, yeah, and, and I've got goosebumps just talking about this because what a blessing it is. It's, it is such a blessing. Yes. Um, but yes, you're so right. You don't have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands. You know, you need to find your like-minded people and, and start communicating and asking and talking and learning and doing, you know, just working with the plants. That's right. So we have just had a joint trauma that we have all lived together through worldwide. And at the beginning, they told us that it was a, what was the word they used? Like a a unique, never before seen virus. And that was two years ago. So what impact, and I know it, you know, it's impacted all of us, the pandemic, but what impact did it specifically have on you, the way you thought about your herbs, essential oils, and herbal remedy making? Well, (laughs) I think the biggest thing was I never worried about it. I I just didn't worry about it at all. It was, I, I mean, if you know how to support your immune system, and if you know your body, and as, an, as herbalists, we tend to look at our health very holistically. You know, it's a, it's a combination of the physical, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual. Um, you know, our body is made up of, of all of these um, factors. And when you know how to support yourself in all of those ways, there's, there's just no reason to be all upset. And so I think uh, what underscored, what, what, the pandemic did for me in terms of uh, my knowledge of herbalism was made me even more grateful that I I understand and know how to use the plants. And it also taught me, especially when I, I would watch the news or listen to the fear in people's, you know, attitudes and behaviors. And it was just, um, I don't know. It, It, I don't, I'm trying, I'm trying to find words for this. It was like, why are you so afraid? Why are you, you know, so upset. And I understand that people uh, passed away, but um, people pass away from the flu sometimes. And people, you know, I guess it, it just, it just made me so grateful that I know how to use the herbs and I know what to do with them and I can help other people. It just, it's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's unreal. 
for you, the pandemic wasn't a pandemic because no. you had complete confidence in the herbal remedies that you have been using for years and you knew that it would help other people if they were willing to reach out and ask. Absolutely. Did yep. I sum, summarize that? Yeah. You sum, yep. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> you, you said that perfectly well. It's just never an issue for us. <laughs> for me, at the beginning of the pandemic, people herbalists were were saying oh we can't use our herbs anymore because this is brand new and and i i never bought that like no. you i i thought i i know what these herbs can do and i know that that we can help each other with this even now i put together kind of a care package of um some vitamins some minerals and also echinacea and elderberry and some of the standard cold and flu remedies that we make all the time fire cider and uh, when somebody would call me and say um, i tested positive i would find a way to get that care package to them yes um, and i think that in every case they said that it made a huge difference yeah. so i I think that that confidence that you have actually meant that because you knew what herbs would do, you didn't panic. You know, I, I think for a lot of people that just that panic that set in dropped their immune system. Definitely. Oh, yes. Stress, stress and anxiety and worry. They have a huge impact on your overall health uh, and, and the way your body can fight off, you know, different organisms. So definitely. So it's super important to get that stress under control. Wouldn't you agree? It really is. Oh, absolutely. And and seriously, Chris, as a person who um, manages, like I mentioned before, um, you know, my, my blood pressure, I manage it naturally. One of the things that I stay very on top of is my stress levels. Um, because I know I have a tendency toward anxiety and worry. And, mm. uh, and, I, and I can feel the blood pressure rise. So I'm very in tune with my body at this point. And you know what? You just you have to have strategies in place for that. And I do. And some of them are herbal. Some of them are aromatic and some of them are in my head. <laughs> so breathing and things like this, but. And, and the stories we tell ourselves too. Absolutely. Yes. I know. And it's, and as far as like, the, <laughs> I love that word stories, you know, because what we hear all day is often just stories, aren't they? I mean, that's what they are. And the thing is, is that if when we know, when we know how our bodies operate and when we know um, how we react to herbs and essential oils and we, when we know these things, yes, there's, there's no reason to be worried about uh, becoming ill. We just work with what we know works. And it just, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's. Um, Absolutely. Just working with what we already know, because we have you know, as herbalists, we have a trust in the herbs. It's like a relationship, yes. right? You know what you can trust. That wouldn't be the time to introduce a brand new herb you've never experienced before. No, I wouldn't. It's much better to go to the ones that are the tried and true that you already have experience with. So we've, we've talked about stress levels. We've, we've talked about how important it is to manage stress. We've talked about the gifts of that the plants bring to us. I think that you have a gift personally uh, in teaching about herbs. And I really admire that about you, Heidi. And you also are able to um, simplify things so that even a beginner who has no experience with herbs can understand it. And again, I admire that about you, Heidi. Can you share one recipe that would be easy enough for a beginner to make that maybe could help them with the stress level? Yes, I can. <clears throat> and as a matter of fact, I'm let's see here. Now I'm I'm going to share an herbal tea. Can I share two? Can I share an aromatherapy one as well? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So um this tea is a relaxation tea, and I really love it because it's very gentle and it combines easy to find herbs, and most of these you can grow yourself. So I tend to use the folk method of herbalism, which we work in parts. So we work in ratios of herbs. So that's the, um, the discussion I'll use for this herbal tea. 
This is a relaxation tea. It's two parts chamomile flowers, two parts lemon balm, one part skullcap, one part passion flower, one part oat straw, and one part ginger. So if you want to make a small amount of tea, your parts might be teaspoons or tablespoons. And if you want a larger amount of tea, your parts might be cups or, you know, even for some who sell herbs and herbal teas, pints. <laughs> so there's a, that recipe is a really helpful one uh, in our household and for other people as well. And then I just want to mention, you know, I, and, and, you guys all know now that I use the herbs and the essential oils together, and I do this unashamedly. Um, and I and I know that uh, some herbalists look down on <laughs> on other herbalists who use the essential oils, and also some aromatherapists uh, have the same, you know, sideways look at herbalists. They don't understand the plants and the power of the actual whole plant. Um, but aromatherapy definitely has its place. And especially when it comes to emotional health and uh, mental, you know, emotional well-being and stress levels. Um, but there are some oils I just love. And so I'm just going to share a really quick, easy diffuser blend. So if you have a diffuser, try three drops of orange essential oil, two drops of lavender essential oil, and I like two drops of neroli. Now, neroli is an expensive oil, but you could substitute it with um, mandarin or bergamot or jasmine if you have it, or another you know, floral if you want to. Um, but neroli happens to be a citrus flower, and it's so helpful. Um, and I just want to talk about lavender really quick. We all know how lavender is so soothing and calming. Um, it contains two chemicals, the lavender essential oil and the plant as well, that go to work immediately on our limbic system, uh, the emotional center of our brain, and immediately go to work to relax us. And those chemicals are linalool and linalyl acetate. And uh, they are incredible. So a lot of people look at essential oils and think it's all, you know, this woo-woo uh, out there kind of thing. But the fact of the matter is, just as an herbalism, it's the chemistry of the plant that makes them uh, help us. It helps our bodies uh, and our minds tremendously. So, and I'll stop talking now because I could just go on and on about this <laughs> forever. But... <laughs> I, I don't want you to stop. This is really interesting. Yeah. Um, so just going back to the the tea, it was two parts chamomile, two parts lemon balm, one part skull cap, one part pa passion flower, and one part ginger. Chris, I'm sorry, one part oat straw as well. Oat straw. I missed that one. Yeah. So one part oat straw. So again, two parts chamomile, two parts lemon balm, one part skull cap, one part oat straw, one part passion flower, and one part ginger. So when somebody is mixing this up and then they want to make a cup, how much of this would they use? Would they mix it all in a bowl and then use one teaspoon of the mixture or one tablespoon or how much is one serving? Okay, so this is another area where herbalism is not exact and there's a lot of flexibility. So I personally really like strong teas. I don't, I don't like wimpy teas. So for me, I tend to use a tablespoon um, to, you know, your average eight to 12 ounce cup of just boiled water. And I'll just use a, an infuser and just, you know, put a lid on top. Um, the reason you want to put a lid on top of your herbal tea as it's steeping is because the volatile oils that are in the herbs can escape and you don't want that. You want them in the tea. So keep a lid on it. And then when you're ready to drink it, you just remove the um, infuser and you've got a lovely tea. But I tend to go heavy. Most uh, herbal loose leaf tea recipes that you'll see, they'll say to use between one and two teaspoons uh, per cup, but I like mine strong. That's just my personal uh, preference. So, and then if I want it really, really strong, like a medicinal type infusion, I'll use even more. Um, I might even use up to two tablespoons for that amount of water, eight to 12 ounces, and let it steep overnight. And if I do that, I often will just make a quart and um, use a nice amount of herb in that quart and then sip on it the next day, especially if it's for therapeutic use. So, Excellent. 
Excellent. So we will post this recipe in the show notes as well. So people will be able to grab it. And then your diffuser blend, if someone didn't have a diffuser, they could actually make a passive diffuser as well by putting some salt in a bowl and then putting the drops into the salt. And that's very safe to use also if you have cats or dogs in the house and you're worried about diffusing with cats and dogs. Although I believe all of these essential oils are safe for cats and dogs anyway. Um, The citrus usually are pretty safe. They are. Yeah, that sounds gorgeous. I would probably, I love rose. Um, rose is like oh, my I favorite essential oil. <laughs> I would I would probably do this and then add rose to it, a few drops of rose. Um, it always makes me calm, makes me calm. It does. It opens your heart. But boy, you have to take out a loan to get rose essential oil. <laughs> so it's one of the precious oils. It's a little expensive, but luckily... Yeah. Doesn't it? A tiny little drop goes a long, long way. It, it does. You would only, you wouldn't need two drops. You'd only need one for rose. It's quite strong. Exactly. Um, and yeah. if you are growing them in your garden and you have fragrant roses, you don't need the essential oil because the fragrant petals will suffice. Absolutely. If you're just getting started thinking about using herbs to make something so that you can feel better and start to tap into the natural wellness, I've got the perfect course for you. My course, the Inspiring Botanical Drinks Mixers and Elixirs course. In this video course, you'll learn how to make healthy beverages that will help you break away from sodas and sugary drinks or plain boring water. Even if you have a two or three soda a day habit, even if the kids are home and you keep running out of ice and ideas, even if you struggle to get enough fluids in your body because of the heat, even if you are watching your macros, your carbs, or your waistline, even if you have food sensitivities or allergies, and even if the rising price of food and drink has you making tough decisions about where to cut costs. If you are making more food at home and watching your budget, but go to the same bottled beverages day in and day out, this class will inspire you to up your game in the beverage category with healthy and creative options that are also kind to your budget. So have a look at the Inspiring Botanical Drinks Mixers and Elixirs class. You'll find the link in the show notes. Heidi, what is one thing that you wish you knew when you first started? Oh, gosh. So when I first started, uh, this was before, um, you know, it was snail mail coursework. There wasn't a lot of support. So one of the things I think that I wish, more it's more of what I've had, would, would have been more support, more mentorship from somebody um, as it was. I was, I felt like I was going in blind, uh, learning about herbalism on my own. And um, I, so I wish I would have had somebody, but I, I didn't. And that's actually what I try to provide now to um, students. But one of the things that I wish I had known was that I didn't have to buy all of the herbs, you know. So once I started taking the, the expensive courses and things like this, um, you know, all of a sudden you're buying this herb and that herb and, um, you know, this thing and that thing. And, and like an herb like pennyroyal, for example, um, I think I've used it one time. And, you know, it just sat there in my herb cupboard. And I realized it's not an herb that I need. And there are other herbs I could have substituted for it very easily. And yet I had purchased it and it was a waste. So I really, I just wish I I would have had guidance, I think, from a real person, if that makes sense. And I think that would have sped up my journey, my learning journey. Yeah, it, it took me a very long time to um, reach the place where, and I think you're, you're seeing this with your students too, is that when, when they take advantage of a person they can ask questions of and get answers, they grow so much more quickly. Yes. And yes. Um, the learning process is, yeah, it's radically sped up. And um, yeah, so I didn't have that back in my beginning. <laughs> so I try to give that to others. 
I, it's funny you'd mentioned that because I did that too. When I first started, I, I made huge orders for mountain rose herbs and, and a lot of that I never used. I would use maybe a couple tablespoons out of a half a pound bag. And, and the other thing is (laughs) when, when you're buying it and you think, you know, well, I'll buy a pound, you don't really realize how much a pound is. And then it shows up in a bag that's two feet by one foot (laughs) and you go like, why did I buy a pound? Right? Yeah, exactly. Whereas like you said, if you have somebody to guide you, they can say, well, you don't need a pound of stinging nettle leaf because that's huge. You know, a quarter pound of dried stinging nettle leaf will be plenty. Um, Or even to tell you, well, you can look for stinging nettle leaves where stinging nettle grows, which is in old farm fields and where there's lots of moisture by Mm -hmm. streams and (laughs) riparian areas, you know, and that's, that's very helpful if somebody is waiting, you know, can either lives in the country or can travel to forage. Definitely. I, I think probably I spent as much on those early herb purchases as a full course would have cost me. Oh, yeah. And it's not necessary. No, absolutely not. Because just about every herb that we need, we can grow or can forage. And in fact, I have not made an herb purchase since the pandemic started because I have everything I need growing right here. Doesn't that just make you feel so good? It's... Yes. it's uh what a uh, what a what do they call that? The it's a peace of mind. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're the same way here. We just don't have to buy too much anymore. And and it starts with the knowledge, because I mean that's mm-hmm. the issue when you're a new student and you're just learning. You don't know what you don't know, and so you don't know. You you want to get all the things because that is security when you're a new student. But like you said if you have guidance from somebody who's been there, then you can curtail some of those purchases because you don't really need them. Absolutely. So Heidi, I think you have something to share with our audience. How can people stay connected with you, stay in touch with you? Okay. So the best way to stay in touch would be to, uh, you know, get my weekly newsletter. Um, and then I have gifts that go along with that all the time. I try to give free information that's not on my website or um, anywhere else. But my website is healingharvesthomestead.com. Um, so healing, like H-E-A-L-I-N-G, and then H-A-R-V-E-S-T, and then homestead.com. Um, I have a YouTube channel. And on YouTube, if you search Healing Harvest Homestead, my name will come up. It's Heidi Viegas. And uh, you can find me that way. Um, and then I've got a link. Can I, should I give the link, Chris? Or Yes, go ahead. Okay. So I, I recently updated um, a book that I wrote several years ago. And it's a, it's a little book. It's 24 pages with recipes on how to use herbs and oils to relax. And I thought that that might be helpful for people in this day and age right now. And the link is Be as in, uh, Boy. It is in Tom dot L Y. So it's like bitly, but with a little dot between the T and the L forward slash herbal relax. So H E R B A L R E L A X. And then you can download um, that book and enjoy it <laughs> and start making some recipes. So that was bitly B I T uh, dot L Y backslash herbal relax backslash. Yes. Yeah. Forward and slash though. Forward slash. Okay. Forward slash. I yeah. did it wrong, but that's okay. Yeah. Whichever the <laughs> Every, slash is. Yeah. Everybody knows. <laughs> everybody knows. Yeah. All right. So, so Heidi and I have been talking about the value of herbal remedies and herbal recipes and grabbing that herbal knowledge so that you understand the gifts that herbs and essential oils bring to our lives and how they can help us heal and give us peace of mind and also help us build relationships with other people and with the plants. And I think that's awesome. Thank you so much, Heidi, for sharing your knowledge with us. And also thank you listeners for listening. And I just want to remind you that the recipes that Heidi shared will be in the show notes so that you can grab those recipes and make them. And um, also the one for the tea and the one for the diffuser blend. 
And also, I just want to remind everybody how important it is to get your stress levels under control for your immune system, for your well-being, and also so that your body can work properly. So thanks so much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you.